Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ego. Ego. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 361 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show, March 11, 2023. Ben Fadden with you here. Wow, a lot of stuff in Padre land to talk about with you guys today. So there was stuff in Peoria, some positive updates there with Fernando and Musgrove. And we saw Ethan Salas, the 16-year-old, his debut today. And then there was a lot of stuff that happened in the World Baseball Classic because this was the first day for Team DR with Manny and Soto and Luis Garcia. Cruz didn't get in the game. That's why I wasn't going to mention him. Uh, Nabil Krisnat with Colombia. Nick Martinez starts on Sunday night against Mexico for Team USA. Hassan Kim hit a bomb for Team Korea. Yeah, the guy was throwing like 68, but who cares? It was still a bomb. Uh, it might be actually harder to hit a bomb there with that speed because he's just not used to that speed. Uh, and then Xander, I believe he's going to play tomorrow morning with Netherlands. I think it's their last game of pool play. Uh, so a lot to talk about. Any questions, any comments, leave them in the chat. As always, if you want to join the show, you can click that link that is up at the top of the chat. You can use the Super Chat button, the Super Thanks button, if you want to make sure I get to one of your comments or questions. Uh, but hopefully you'll enjoy the show. 
uh, before we get to the World Baseball Classic stuff, I wanted to start with the Padres game in Peoria today. Padres, White Sox, Padres won 6-5. The stories were Tatis and Ethan Salas, I think, out of this game. Fernando, I put the some of the videos, some of the clips up on Twitter, Instagram, some on YouTube here. Uh, Tatis, he singled in his first at-bat. Pretty hard hit ball at shortstop. Then he stole second base with Matt Carpenter, I believe, up at the plate. His next at-bat, he doubled. It was in, was his next at-bat? He doubled later in the game. And I was watching the Padres video feed. First of all, I didn't even know the video feed was, like, actually working today. I didn't even know they were going to have a video feed because I looked on the MLB app and all I saw was it was going to be on 97.3 The Fan. So I was like, okay, well, we can't watch this. That sucks. And then I see the Padres post Austin Nola's home run, and I'm like, oh, there's a video feed. So that's why if anyone was on social media, that's why I was late posting some clips because I didn't even know that the Padres had the video feed. Uh, It was just there. I don't know if they made an announcement, but it was wrong on the MLB app on if we could watch the game or not. We actually could on Padres.com. I was actually watching Nabil Chrismat shove, for the most part, for Team Columbia because the Padres weren't on. At least that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, Tatis played well today. And maybe now some baseball fans will take a deep breath, like, oh, Tatis remembers how to hit. All right. Because there were some people that were like, saying, oh, I told you so. I told you. Why repeat? Why were you worried about Tatis? Not me, but like just fans in general. Like people on Twitter today were like, oh, well, I told you Tatis was going to get back. Like he knows how to hit. It's just spring training. And if you really were worried about Fernando after a handful of at-bats, like 16 at-bats, whatever it was, 19, whatever it was, could have been 30. If you were actually worried about Fernando, I think you're really taking these spring training games too seriously, and you're valuing his spring training at-bats way too much. You're not seeing his backfield at-bats for the most part, unless some stuff is posted on social media. You're only looking at the spring training at-bats, and he's just working his way back. He's learning right field full-time for like the first time, right? Like He's got a lot of things that he's worrying about. So... And it's spring training. So we shouldn't have been worried. No one should have been worried. This game, just because he has two hits here, doesn't mean that he's going to get a hit, you know, in every at-bat for the rest of spring. But I guess for those doubters, whoever was out there, uh, I guess those doubters were... Maybe the, I guess my point is maybe there's less doubters now after Fernando had a couple hits today. And he stole second base when Matt Carpenter was at the plate. and. He scored on Carpenter's double down the left field line. Carpenter has a pretty swing to the opposite field. When he takes it oppo, that is pretty. Um, But a good day from Tatis. I didn't see anything of him in the outfield. Was he DHing today? I forget. Uh, But a good day offensively. He knows how to hit the baseball. He knows how to get on base after hitting the baseball. That's cool. Uh, Blake Snell went four innings, two earned runs, two hits, one walk, struck out two. And he allowed a home run. Um, I didn't really see a whole lot of this Blake Snell start because, again, I was watching Team Columbia against Mexico. I didn't know that the Padres had the video feed. Uh, but that looks pretty good. 
He gave up a home run, I think, to Jake Berger. He hit two home runs, I think, in this game. One of them was against Ryan Weathers. Uh, but look at Snell just getting more comfortable with the pitch clock, right? Because we know that he's not very comfortable with that. Like he said after his first start that he felt rushed. So hopefully he's getting more comfortable with that. Like that's what I care about most. I don't really care about the results in spring training. Maybe we should a little bit more though. So I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Like I don't really care about the results, but I guess we should take some stock into them with Snell because this is different from past years. Like he's already admitted, the media knows, Bob Melvin knows that Snell is in a much better position, like preparation wise, going into this season than he has been in a Padres uniform than he was going into last year. I know there was the lockout and all that, but Snell, it seems like he's used that excuse sometimes. Like, yeah, I'm a slow starter. I'll figure it out. Or it seems like in this walk year for him, he's not trying to use that excuse, at least in spring training. Like he look, according to people that are there, he, it's clear that he's more prepared. He's more ready in spring training than he has in past years. So maybe we should look into the results more than past years with Snell. Like, oh, how is he looking here? He's saying that he's more prepared. People around the Padres are saying he's more prepared. He, he He's in better shape like to be ready for the season. I'm not saying like physically, like he works out and all that. I know he does, but just like he's ready. He's ready earlier than usual. Um, and so maybe we should look into the results a little bit, but I hesitate still to do that because he's not facing all major league hitters, especially in these starts. Like there's people that are in the, World Baseball Classic that maybe he'd be facing if they weren't, right? So there is a little bit different circumstances. Uh, but four-inning outing from Snell, he's still building up just like every other Padres starter is. Ryan Weathers, he pitched. He was pitching to Ethan Salas, and Salas was like the second big story. Maybe maybe the number one story in this spring training game because we've already seen Fernando play. Him getting hits is nice. Him stealing bases is nice. But we know that he's a great player. But this was the first time that we got to see Ethan Salas in a live game situation in spring training. This was his debut. He's 16 years old, and age is just a number. doesn't matter if you're old and you're still doing it. Age is just a number. It doesn't matter if you're 16 like Salas and you're doing it, and you're facing, or you're catching for a 23-year-old. You're catching for maybe a 30-year-old sometimes, 35-year-old sometimes. doesn't matter. Age is just a number. If you can do it, you can do it. You know? Uh, and I've always believed that. I believe that with gender as well, like with women and equality in sports and all that. Like, if you can do it, you can do it. I don't care what you look like or how old you are. And Salas, uh, he said that post game, like, age is just a number. And it is because he, he, I thought he looked pretty good. There were some times where Weathers spiked the ball and it got past him, uh, but it, it's not like it went under his legs. He just tried to block it, and it got away from him. Um, so maybe that was just because of what pitch was being thrown there. Uh, but it's not like when those balls got past him today, he then went and started stabbing at the ball and started, instead of trying to block dirt balls, he tried to pick them so that wouldn't happen again. No, he, he kept doing what he was doing, and he did block some balls pretty well. And he was receiving, it looked like, pretty well. I wanted one of the runners to try to run on him when he got the first base uh, just to see Salas try to throw him out. That would have been fun. 
but I liked what I saw. And then the at-bat that I saw from Salas, I think he got one at-bat today. Uh, and I posted it on social media, uh, at Talking Friars on Twitter. Uh, I might have posted it on Instagram, but I know I did on Twitter. So just go to the Twitter if you did not see it. Um, I think it was a three-pitch at-bat, ball, ball, and then he caught up to the pitch. I, I forget how how fast that pitch was, but he turned around on it, hit it pretty hard to second base, and ran hard out of the box. And didn't. it's not like he almost beat the throw, but hustled. He squared it up pretty well. It wasn't a line drive, but it was hit hard on the ground. And uh, he's 16. And this is a pretty good first look at a 16-year-old in a major league spring training game. This is not him in high A or rookie ball or on a backfield facing a no-name guy. Now, I don't remember who was pitching for the White Sox, but this was in a big league setting, Cactus League. Thousands of fans in the stands. Um, A.J. Preller sitting right there. Him catching Ryan Weathers, who's trying to fight for a spot and is serious about what his results are in spring training, you know? Uh, and he didn't come in like the eighth or the ninth inning. He came in in the, like the sixth. So he got some good work there. I don't know how many more times we're going to see Ethan Salas in spring training, but I was encouraged by what I saw. And uh, I am not doubting that this guy could end up being a star for the Padres if he doesn't get traded, obviously. That's not a guarantee with Preller. But... It seems like Salas would be a guy, if I was AJ, I would not want to give this guy up. And there's talk about him being, maybe being ready as early as like 2025 to be the, the team's starting catcher. And if that's the case, he'll be like 19 years old as the starting catcher. Now, catchers, they take a little bit more time to develop. So maybe that's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe it's not the start of 2025. Maybe it's the second half of 2025. But... He is more developed than other 16-year-olds. Like, what were you doing at age 16? I was doing, I, I was playing baseball in high school uh, against other high schoolers. Um, I was writing for blogs about baseball and about the Padres and uh, going to Padres games. I was not playing in big league spring training games with A.J. Preller watching me like that, you know? So... He's got a lot on his shoulders, obviously, but um, the Padres, they're supporting him. They love what they've seen so far, obviously. They were willing to give him over 500, not 500, that would have been a lot, 5 million, over $5 million on a signing bonus. So they definitely believe in this guy. They're going to give him opportunities. And I would not be surprised if he started the season in El Lake Elsinore and just bypassed uh, the complex, the rookie ball league, just bypassed it, go to Lake Elsinore. I could see that happening. And then Merrill will probably start in high A or double A and then work his way up from there, maybe get to triple A at some point this year. Maybe that's a stretch, but I'm trying to be optimistic about those guys. But Salas, man, I love what I'm seeing from him so far. I know it's one game, it's a few innings, but man, he doesn't look like he's 16. He's really tall. Like seeing him like play baseball, uh, Behind the plate, like, he is taller than I thought. Not your average 16-year-old. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, Nola, he homered today. That was cool to see, but that's not something that I'm going to be expecting out of him routinely. Uh, it's kind of like a Zokar the other day. He homered in that spring training game. And it was like, oh, wow, Jose Zokar homered. That's cool. So that's pretty much what happened today in spring training. I thought Ryan Weathers... 
hitting on him here a little bit. I thought he pitched pretty good. He had four straight strikeouts at one point. There were some wild pitches. He did give up a home run on a fastball that was right down the middle. Uh, but I like what I'm seeing so far. He seems more comfortable. He is calling his own pitches with pitch comps, so maybe that's why he's more confident. At least that's what it looks like. He looks more confident on the mound uh, this year than what I've seen in years past. I don't think he's going to make the opening day roster. doesn't seem like that right now. It seems like Jay Groom will make it if he continues pitching well. It seems like Chris Matt will make it, and then what? Would that open up? That'll, that would be like one more spot left. Maybe one more spot. I mean, if Musgrove makes the roster, because the update on him is he could pitch the, the seventh game of the Padres season in Atlanta, their first road game, April 6th. He's hoping, like that's a realistic hope of his, according to Dennis Lind earlier today. If he's on the roster, doesn't go on the 10-day IL to start the year, then who are the other? So it's it's Groom, it's Chris Matt, and there's no room for Tehran or Honeywell. Or maybe there's only room for one of those guys, and the other probably, uh, well, Honeywell would be put on waivers and be made available to other teams, or Tehran might opt out and then just go to another team that has an open spot. Because um, there are teams that already have injuries with their rotation. So... Uh, we'll see how that roster obviously is constructed, the pitching staff, who makes it, how many starters make it. Maybe it's five starters, six starters, and another starter makes it, but is a long guy in the bullpen, and you have to consider him a reliever. Uh, Jay Groom, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think they're ruling him out as a reliever, as a long guy. I think that's what Bo Mill said earlier today or sometime this week. Someone put that out on social media. One of the reporters, I apologize. I don't remember who it was. Um, so there's different options for Groom. I think out of the depth guys, he's the favorite to make it right now. Uh, I think Tehran is right there. Honeywell's right there. And Weathers is probably just below that. I don't know if Morahone makes it right now, to be honest. Because the Padres bullpen has a lot of quality guys, and they might just want a couple long guys in that bullpen over Morahone. Uh, maybe they want Groom, Honeywell, and Chris Mack. That's three. So let's say there's four more guys. What? T Hill, Garcia, Hader Suarez. I'm forgetting another guy, right? Oh, Steven Wilson's on it, right? So it wouldn't be even that many guys. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be some quality guys left off that opening day roster. But hey, that just speaks to the depth of the Padres. Like, that's not a bad thing, right? These are good problems. Um, so, yeah, the, Mus the Musgrove update, he threw off a mound on Saturday, earlier today, 12 days after the big toe, the left big toe fracture uh, with the kettlebell. Amazing. The four hours hyperbaric chamber work every day, the workouts, the recovery rehab. Uh, he started a few days ago just throwing flat ground, and then it progressed the next day to... Um, Throwing flat ground, but landing on that left foot. And then today, he was on the mound throwing in bullpen sessions. And he told reporters, I guess, that on like pain level, 1 to 10, like 10 being the most painful, it, it was like a 2 today in a bullpen session. And that could get worse. Um, soreness or whatever. I don't even know what happens with the fractured toe. I've never had one. And I hope I don't ever have one. Uh, but So things could change. But if his pain's only 2 right now on a 1 to 10 scale, I'm definitely not counting him out for the seventh game 
like he said today, like a realistic hope to start the seventh game of the year, first game at Atlanta on April 6th. I'm not counting him out to start first time through the rotation because he said prior, after this injury happened, before today, he is not like, essentially he's not closing the door on starting the first time through the rotation. Is it going to be a seven-man rotation? So he's going to say, I didn't miss a start because I was the seventh guy in the rotation. I don't know. Look, I don't think it really matters. Like, Padres fans know that Joe works his butt off. He doesn't want to miss starts. He doesn't. He's not someone that's going to sit there and steal money from the Padres and be okay with it. Like, he wants to work his butt off to be ready for the Padres and help the Padres and make every start. He just loves competing and helping the Padres. He wants to be out there. So I'm not counting him out for the first time through the rotation. And if he starts the seventh game of the year, I think that's a win too. There was the expectation, right, when that injury happened that maybe he'd be out for a couple starts, a few starts. And it seems like he's going to miss maybe one start if you're counting the first like five or six guys through the rotation. And then if he starts the seventh game, that's a realistic hope of his, according to reporters. If he starts the seventh game, that's not a big deal. Seventh game of the year, okay. I'm fine with that. Is one Musgrove start going to determine if the Padres win the West or not? I Maybe. But again, if they don't win the West and it's based on off of one game, they're probably in the playoffs, and that's what I care about. I care about this team being in a playoff spot and then being hot when it matters, right? Like they did in 2022 for the Mets series and the Dodgers series. All right, more updates to come. WBC talk also coming, but let's get to the chat here. Codman says in three weeks that double for Tatis will be a three-run home run. Yeah, that ball, I think, hit off the wall, and it's Arizona, so some weird weather. Austin says, buy or sell, three out of four of our stars this year will have at least a 300 average and 100 RBIs. Three out of four. Uh, I'm selling that. Having three of the four hit over 300, that's a big ask just because average is not the biggest thing nowadays. I think the under the 100 RBIs could happen, but I'm just looking at average last year for these guys. Bogarts was over 300. Is he going to do that again? I don't know. He can. Soto, I think he could get to over 300, but... He's, he prides himself on getting on base. Like, I don't think he really cares if he's hitting over 300. Like, 2019, he hit 282. 313 in 2021, but then last year, 242. That is, that is a big jump to be hitting over 300. Uh, Manny almost hit 300, I believe, last year, if I can remember correctly. Yeah, 298. Yeah, my friends in high school would always kind of joke around, like, you know everyone's stats. and I. I guess I still have that a little bit. Um, who's the other four? Uh, Tatis. I, I think Tatis could get to over 300. What's his, his batting average in 2021 was 282. I mean, he had a great year in 2021, and he hit 282. 2020, 277. I, I'm still selling that. Like, having over 300 for three of those four guys, that's a big ask. I think they're... I think all four will have good years, but the average part is what is making me sell that. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Flygod 9-7 going to the USA-Mexico game tomorrow. That's going to be fun to watch. Really fun to watch. If these things were in San Diego, I'd be going, definitely. Because um, I love the WBC. I mean, I got this hat, I remember, from Lids in 2017. I, maybe it was during or before the WBC, and I wear it all the time. I, I've been wearing it all the time for six years. Um, I, I love this time of year. The atmosphere, just seeing it on TV. You feel like you're there sometimes in Japan and uh, Chinese Taipei, that crowd and dr and hopefully the u.s crowd uh, didn't seem like they were that loud but hopefully you know usa mexico tomorrow that's going to be a, a great environment i love this this tournament i know as a padres fan now we're kind of holding our breath and didn't want some guys participating but I'm, I'm still enjoying the heck out of these games and trying to watch almost all of them uh jesus says it's going to be a fun season this year. Keep up doing, keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mill says, I sure have missed seeing Toddy run. Yeah, I agree. I've missed that as well. All right. So we already hit on the Tati stuff today and Musgrove, that update. By the way, a quick stamina update. It didn't seem good, the injury that he exited the Royals game yesterday with on Friday. Uh, but I guess according to Bob Melvin that the, the stamina shoulder pain, it's not as bad. Like, I guess the trainers are saying that it, it's not going to be as bad as they thought. So that's good news. Maybe he's back by the end of spring training or he's willing to go to El Paso and just keep pitching and stay healthy. Um, I don't think he's going to make the roster. I didn't think he was going to make the roster even with a good spring. Uh, maybe maybe he opts out because he has a good spring if he can get back healthy and then go sign with another team. But I think he wants to be with the Padres. I think he's willing to go to El Paso if it means that he can help the Padres in at least one game this year at the big league level and be part of this team. Like He loves being with the Padres. So he probably had a, a better offer somewhere from another team. Maybe not like... Uh, Someone had to offer him a major league roster spot, right? Someone to be like the last reliever. But he stayed with the Padres on like a minor league deal. So good news with the stamina front there. Obviously, wishing him well. Um, 
let's get to the WBC stuff, WBC update. A lot of a lot of stuff happened around the San Diego Padres today in the World Baseball Classic. But first, quick message about one of the sponsors of this show, Gaglione Bros. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, WBC, I want to start with Nabil Chrismat. I think he was one of the stars for the San Diego Padres, San Diego Padres players in the World Baseball Classic on Saturday, March 11th. If you're watching this on replay, it's probably March 12th or another day. If you're on the podcast platforms, it's probably Sunday or Monday, maybe. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. So Chrismat against, excuse me, for Colombia against Mexico. Four innings, one earned run, three hits, no walks, three punch outs on 57 pitches. That's what was expected, the pitch amount, because he's building up. And in the World Baseball Classic, there is that rule that you cannot go more than 65 pitches. or You, you, you can finish the batter, but you can't go more than 65 pitches if you're done with the batter. And Chris Matt, 57 pitches. First two innings were great. Um, I think it was the third inning was when he allowed a run. He allowed, I think, a home run to Randy Rosarena. He gave up a leadoff double in the first inning to Rosarena, and I was like, oh, good start. Not really. Ball was smashed. Uh, I think that was like the only fastball that he threw, it felt like, in the outing. A lot of it was breaking balls and change-ups, and that's, we know that's Chris Matt's you know, bread and butter, uh, so that's not surprising. Um, but yeah, so the runs that he gave up, so, okay, I forgot about this. So uh, Paredes, he had the single in the fourth, bottom four. That was the one run Mexico scored. So I'm sorry, I, I guess I, I'm mixing up who Rosarena hit that home run off of. Sorry, he did not hit it off of uh, Chris Matt. He hit it off of, now I got to go find who he hit it off of. He must have hit it off Sessa, Luis Sessa. Oh no, that's, that's, that's the wrong team. Sorry, I'm looking up at Mexico. Colombia Romero. He must have hit it off of Romero or Almeida. But he pulled it to left. But no, Chris Matt, I mean, it was what, the, the second inning? First inning, there was a runner on second, got out of it, three outs, got a pop-up, I think, to end the inning. And then the second inning, two strikeouts in that inning of the three outs. And then the third inning, a one-two-three inning, he was using that changeup really well. I mean, that changeup, it is one of the best changeups change in baseball, I think. One of the, at least one of the more underrated changeups in baseball. I don't know if fans look at relievers and they're like, or pitchers in general, and they're like, oh, change up. But with Chris Matt, that's what I think with Nabil. You look at Chris Matt and it's like change up. That's the first pitch that you think about. He's not going to blow you away with velocity. But what I liked about this beyond the numbers, like he had a good start. Columbia ended up winning this game. So he was super happy after the game, as you could see on television if you were watching uh, after the game. Uh, but what what I liked about this was this gave Nabil experience pitching in front of big crowd. Not just big crowd, but 
intense atmosphere, like meaningful game, like playoff atmosphere, right? I know Chase Field, you don't think playoff atmosphere, but it's the World Baseball Classic, and it was pretty packed for both games. And the Mexico crowd obviously outnumbered Colombia by a lot. They might outnumber Team USA crowd on Sunday night when Nick Martinez is on the mound. But for all the Padres pitchers that are pitching in these games, Chris Matt especially, because Martinez, he has the playoff experience. Uh, but like Chris Matt, having him pitch in these games, pitching against Julio Arias, seeing Arias give up bomb, giving up a bond was great. That made me laugh. Uh, but pitching against Arias, pitching against Mexico, quality big league guys in meaningful games, not just regular season games at Petco, but meaningful, intense atmospheres. Getting that experience, I think, can only help. That can only benefit Nabil. And on top of it, he pitched well. So that was fun to see. Uh, Hassan Kim, he was another winner today for Padres players. Right now, I don't believe that game is over as I am speaking, but he did hit a bomb to left field. Yes, I know it was only thrown like 68 miles an hour, but that's still more impressive, like I said earlier, because he's not used to facing 68-mile-per-hour pitchers. Uh, but Korea, they were playing... Oh, that is final. Okay, Korea won 7-3. So they're 1-2. They lost their first two games. Should have won the Australia game, probably. They had chances, but didn't capitalize, and they weren't going to beat Japan. Um, But yeah, home run for Kim. Smashed that ball. It's it was It was good to see him hit the home run because he's been robbed a few times already in this World Baseball Classic. Against Japan the other day, uh, when I was watching that game, it like, it started at 2 in the morning. I was up for that. But it was later in the game when he got robbed. It was probably like 4 in the, four in the morning, somewhere around there. 4.30 maybe. He got robbed by Lars Newtbar, diving catch. There was the first game against Australia, his first at-bat. Hit lines a ball into the left center gap. You think it's down, and the center fielder makes the catch. So he's had some tough luck. So it was good to see him hit a bomb there. That was cool. Um, and I, Because I had that on during the USA game because... Team USA was going to win, and I had it on for Kim. I wasn't really, in, you know, intently watching the Korea game. Uh, I was just keeping tabs on it, waiting for Kim to come up, waiting for uh, guys that, who I knew to come up, um, like Kim, like Tommy Edmond, uh, waiting for them. Edmond drove in a run. I know it's not a Padre, but a major leaguer. Uh, so good for Kim seeing that. He was one of the winners today. Chris Matt, Kim, and then Juan Soto. Manny was disappointing, uh, made some good plays in the field, but strikeout looking in the first, his first at-bat, we'll get to Soto here in a sec. Struck out looking in his first at-bat, yes, that pitch was not a strike, but still it was a strikeout. Flew out to center, popped out to third, and then struck out looking in his fourth at-bat. Soto, on the other hand, right out of the gate, Team DR, it looked like they were going to steamroll their way to a win, and then they get upset. Uh, but he had an RBI double in the gap after Julio Rodriguez got on. First pitch he saw, liner into the gap. DR's up, like, immediately when the game starts. And it's like, oh, okay, here we go. But that's not how it ended up going, actually. Uh, Venezuela was the team that went uh, after they got to Alcantara in, what, the third or fourth inning? David Peralta, hopefully he doesn't go be a Padre killer this season, because he had a huge game for Venezuela, by the way. 
Uh, the, the middle two at-bats for Soto smashed balls to second base. Uh, and I say bullets. It was more of a bullet the third at-bat, but he hit the ball hard in the second at-bat as well. Um, some people were like on social media when I posted it, the, the bullet that he hit the third at-bat, like, it's still an out, who cares? But it's kind of like spring training. Like, I don't really care what the result is. Like, I love, I love the bullet in the gap. I love the double that he hit down the line in his last at-bat. Um, his last at-bat, I think, right? Yeah. Because I think he had five at-bats today. Double, two ground outs, a pop out, and then he had the double. I just didn't include the double on my notes. But, yeah, I'd love to have the doubles, the gappers, but as long as he's hitting the ball hard and the calf is good, like, that's what I care about here with Juan. I'm rooting for Team USA. Like, sure, I was rooting for DR today because they're not in Team USA's pool and they're not playing Team USA, but I'm rooting for Team USA. So, like, WBC-wise, I want to see US win. I'm not, like, rooting against Team DR as long as they're not playing against Team USA. Uh, but I, I don't really care what Team DR does. I care about, okay, are we still seeing good at-bats from these guys? Are they staying healthy? That's what I care about most. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good day at the office for Juan Soto. But Manny struggled there. Luis Garcia gave up an earned run in the sixth. Peralta had a double in the right center field gap. Um, so not the best day for some Padres, but it was a good day for some other Padres. So a little bit of a mixed bag. Nelson Cruz, he did not have an at-bat, at least that I saw for Team DR. And Bogarts, Team Netherlands, they did not play. They play, I believe, tomorrow morning because they played the first two, two days, first three days of the tournament. So today was their day off in the tournament. Well, technically, they played, I guess, against Chinese Taipei this morning, earlier this morning, which was last, or which was a night game in Taiwan, but they didn't play during the day today. They didn't have the day game in Taiwan. That's, I guess, what I meant to say. So Netherlands, they play tomorrow morning, Saturday morning at 4 a.m. on FS2. Japan plays 3 a.m. against Australia on FS1. Uh, for anyone who cares, Israel plays Nicaragua uh, 9 a.m. FS2 on Saturday. Canada, first game for them. They did not play today. So Freddie Freeman and Canada play Great Britain at noon on FS1 on Sunday. Did I say Saturday for some of these games? Sorry, I meant Sunday. So these Japan gate, Japan, Australia, 3 a.m. Sunday. Netherlands, Italy, 4 a.m. Sunday. Nicaragua, Israel, 9 a.m. Sunday. Uh, Great Britain, Canada, noon Sunday. Venezuela, Puerto Rico, 4 p.m. Sunday, FS1. Mexico, United States, 7 p.m. Pacific time, FS1. Nick Martinez on the mound. Cannot wait to see him compete. He loves wearing that USA on his chest. So he's going to be fired up. It's going to be like a playoff game for him. Um, Australia, Czech Republic, 8 p.m. on Sunday night, FS2. Team DR does not play tomorrow. They get some easy matchups, Israel, Nicaragua. Those two are their next two games, and then they finish with Puerto Rico. So down 0-1 for Team DR, upset by Venezuela today. They have to win those next two games. And then probably have to beat Puerto Rico, because I would think Puerto Rico is going to be at least 2-1 and one heading into that matchup with DR. And Venezuela, they are in great position to advance. I mean, 
they don't have they're not going to face a tougher team all tournament long maybe on paper usa i, I can make the argument they're better than team dr uh but on paper you can make the case dr is the best team they were the favorite heading in it all goes down in terms of competition from here for venezuela so they're in a really good spot but netherlands was in a good spot a couple days ago but then they lost and now they're two and one and if they lose to cuba right that's their next game or italy excuse me if they lose to italy then uh because they lost to cuba right if they lose to italy then have they played uh, cuba yet have they played cuba my point is if they lose to italy then they're not really going to be in a great position yeah netherlands their last game is against italy at 4 a.m so all of a sudden they go from great position two and zero to two and one, and could be two and two by tomorrow morning when we wake up. So that is pretty much the uh, the WBC update. I paused there because I'm just trying to make sure I got through all the Padres, the main Padres. We could talk about Brett Sullivan if you want me to, but I don't think really. People are very interested in me talking about Brett Sullivan and Team Italy. By the way, fun fact, I don't know if you knew this, I tweeted this out the other day. Padre legend Chris DeNorfia, he's the third base coach for Team Italy with Mike Piazza managing. So that's cool. All right, I'll get back to the chat and then some San Diego sports after this. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick'up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right. Let's talk about San Diego State. So, what a win, huh? What a win. San Diego State. Hang on. Pause. Pause. I paused there 
because I did want to mention my two entries that I did today on the Pick'em for Underdog Fantasy because I just talked about them. Um, sorry, messed that one up. Um, so Mike Trout and Juan Soto were my two entries today on Pick'em. Higher, I picked. You could do higher or lower, uh, but I did higher. Juan Soto, higher, one and a half bases. They had him at one and a half. I was like, yeah, I'm taking that. So, yeah, I got that right. And then they had Mike Trout, higher, lower, two and a half total bases. I took that, and he got two bases. He flew out in that last at-bat, and I was like, dang it. I would have gotten 60 bucks there. Uh, but almost got it. Almost got it. I was pretty confident there. You know, Trout facing Great Britain. I thought he'd show up pretty big in the World Baseball Classic. Started off with a bang, but guess not. All right. So, San Diego State, Mountain West Conference Tournament champions for the seventh time after beating Utah State 62-57 to tonight. They were down 11 points at one point. And it got me a little bit worried being down 11. Because San Diego State, usually, they have a lead, and then in the second half, that lead dwindles, and they either pull it out barely, or they don't pull it out. But when they're down 11, are they going to switch it to that next gear to get that lead back and then go win the game? You know, I was a little worried there with that, but they were able to do it. Uh, They made it a one-point game by halftime. Again, down 11 at one point in the first. Cut the lead by 10 there. We're down one uh, at halftime. Lamont Butler was dealing a little bit with the pinky issue. I think he got it taped and he was fine. Um, San Diego State, I really want to break down here, talk about the last like 49 seconds in this game because obviously a lot happened. And the story in this game for me was, like it has been in some other games in this tournament for the Aztecs, was that they hit their free throws, right? They had a lead. They got fouled. They got rebounds. They hit the free throws when they needed to to keep it at like a two-possession game, keep that advantage for them, right? Don't let the other team be able to, you know, go take the lead on a shot on any possession. Once they start to foul you, make your free throws and make them keep fouling you until they can't do it anymore because time ran out, right? And that's pretty much what what they did. 49 seconds left. They had a turnover. Ball went off Lamont Butler last. And Utah State got it. They shot a quick three. They missed. And a rope got a huge rebound. Then he made both free throws. And that is where it really changed. That a rope sequence there with the rebounds, the free throws. It changed right there. Because then, like I said right before I talked about a rope, like that played into the Aztecs' hands because once a rope made those free throws, it turned from a three-point game because if Utah State made that three, they would have tied. It turned in from a three-point game into a five-point game, 55-50. And then after that, we had Seiko get fouled, make both free throws, made it 57-53, a rope. Then had to make more free throws. He split those free throws. Parrish was fouled, made both free throws. The first one, didn't know if it was going to go in, but it did. That made it 60-55. And by then, 
you know, the, the clock, there just wasn't really enough time left. Final score, 62-57. Nathan Mensah, Jane Lundy, 18 rebounds combined by those two guys today, 14 points. And I talked about a rope with the rebounds, but yeah, Ladee was great. Mensa was great with that. Um, getting those second chance opportunities and the bench. The bench was obviously huge. The Aztecs have one of the deepest teams in the country, and I think that can serve them well in the tournament. Uh, it served them well in the conference tournament here. They were showing something on CBS, big CBS. That's what it was on. Kevin Harlan was on the call. They were showing something where the Aztecs had like a lot more bench points than Utah State did today, which wasn't a surprise. That's, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that has followed San Diego State. Like they have Parrish that can come off the bench. They have Seiko that can come off the bench. They have Ladie that can come off the bench. Like they have a lot of different quality guys that can come off the bench and impact the Aztecs, right? If Darren Trammell is not playing well, you can have Seiko come in and he's going to have an impact, right? And there, there's a lot of different names. Uh, so it was a good win by the Aztecs. Obviously, you, you wish that they didn't get down in that 11-point hole. But hey, you're not going to have the lead all the time. And going into the NCAA tournament, having that adversity in a big game like that, I think can only help the Aztecs. And they've had to face adversity a lot this year. Um, they Even if they've won games, not a lot of games have been blowouts. Not a lot of them have been safe games, right? They had one game this tournament where it was pretty safe. Uh, they've had some games this year that were pretty safe. The Wyoming home, uh, the Wyoming, not homecoming, Wyoming uh, senior night. That seemed pretty safe, but there, there's been games where they, they've had leads that were safe, and then the lead turned into not very safe. They still won the game some games, but the lead should have been more than that. There were some games where they had a lead, and then they allowed teams to go on like a 14-0 run, and then they lose the game. There's games where if Lamont Butler didn't make a, mir uh, a miracle three, an amazing three, uh, Maybe they lose that game, like stuff like that, right? So I guess that does probably concern some Aztecs fans. But if you look at it from a positive view, they've had a lot of close games. And they're going to have to have close games in the NCAA tournament. They're not going to be blowing out every team. I definitely don't expect that. So whoever their opponent is, and we're going to find that out on Sunday, Selection Sunday, whoever that is, I'd be willing to bet it's going to be a close game. And they have the experience in those close games. And they're making their free throws at the right time. You know, it seems like a lot of the guys are making free throws now, late in games when they need to. And, and that's a really good sign. So seventh Mountain West Conference tournament win for the Aztecs. Amazing. The Mountain West sweep. The double. The tournament conference win. The regular season win. Conference win. Two banners there. That's great. 26, 26, no, 27 and 6. San Diego State is going into Selection Sunday. I'm loving where the team is at right now. Um, now, that, that that's not going to mean anything come whenever the game is, whenever their first game is. But I'd rather have them go, go into the tournament, obviously winning the conference tournament, winning the regular season. Uh, because that showed that they did have a level of uh, dominance, consistent winning, finding a way to win games consistently, right? And so you you hope that can 
can transition into that one game that they will play, and then that can can transition into the next game and to the next game, right? But I don't even want to get to that point yet, right? I want to, like, we're going to be worrying about this first game because Brian Dutcher, he has not won a tournament game yet, right? So that's what we got to be focusing on right now. And that's obviously what the Aztecs are going to be focusing on is winning that first game. San Diego Loyal, uh, just wanted to hit on them for a second here. Uh, they were able to win tonight. I think they played Detroit. I think it was 2-0. I think that was the win. Uh, the score, it was on ES, ESPN+, Plus, so I wasn't watching it. I did watch the goals. Um, but it, it looked like it was a really good crowd sold out. Uh, the big question around the Loyal this year, for anyone that doesn't know, the Loyal, they are kind of like a minor league team. Even though they're, they're not connected to an MLS team, but they're, they're on the level below MLS. The big question around the Loyal is, are they going to end up being transitioned into an MLS team at some point? Not this year, but at some point in the future. Like, is that going to be announced this year by the MLS? Or is, it, is an owner going to come in and just get a new team and pretty much make the Loyal, like, irrelevant because all the attention is going to be on the MLS team? So that's a storyline. Can they win a playoff game, right? Because they made it to the playoffs last year and then did not win. Uh, so, obviously, we'll be interested in that. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much what was happening around San Diego sports today. A lot happened with the Padres, as we covered. So, that'll do it. Episode 361, Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I want to thank everyone again for coming in in this live stream, tuning in. If you're on replay, podcast platforms, or live, I appreciate it. I appreciate the support. Go Padres, and I'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Have a great night, everybody.